Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, my guest you've seen on the 700 Club, uh, you, you've, you're probably familiar with Gordon Robertson. He's a son of Pat Robertson, who founded uh, CBN 700 Club. But what you probably don't know is he has a grandfather who was a U.S. congressman and senator. And uh, Gordon, I understand you used to uh, visit your grandfather in summers, and uh, you would see the difference of his lifestyle and your dad's lifestyle. Your dad and mom at that time were living on soybeans and praying for the bills to come in for CBN. And at age five, you had a prophecy uh, and uh, that you would one day— uh, be uh, on the 700 Club as part of it, uh, and what did you think or say at age five? <laughs> uh, well, Sid, I thought that uh, I didn't. I didn't want that. I didn't want to pay the price of being in ministry. I... No, I, I actually, the, my notes say so. You said something that what a five-year-old might say. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't want it. I, I saw how hard it was uh, for mom and dad and, and their struggles with a tiny UHF station in Portsmouth, Virginia. And um, I, I looked at that cost, and yeah, you're right. I said, forget it. I, I, that's not what I want. <laughs> and, and then you proceed to uh, go into uh, uh, law like your grandfather. You want to copy him, uh, and you became... You, want, you did become successful. You graduated Yale Law School. You became a partner in one of the oldest uh, law firms in Virginia. And then John Jimenez, who is now in heaven, started Rock Church, tricked you. How did he trick you? Well, he, he called me up. Uh, I was sitting in my law office. He, call, he called me and said uh, that he had had a dream about me. And in the dream, I was supposed to go with him on a mission trip to India. Um, I had, you know, I was 35 years old, and so I, um, you know, going on mission trips to India wasn't exactly on my mind. I was a partner in a law firm, and but I did remember John and and the early days of Rock Church back in the 1960s, and that. John wouldn't lightly say, you know, God spoke to me. Uh, he 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 wasn't casual with that. He when he when he said things, he really meant them. And now, now, where were you with the Lord at that point? Obviously, you were over your head in business. But uh, would you say you were uh, on fire for Jesus at the time? Oh, I was not on fire for Jesus. I was, I was running, running away. <laughs> you know, it, I guess the phrase "nominal Christian" would I would I go to church occasionally? Yes. Um, good, I, good for business, well, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, did, did had I surrendered my life? No, uh, I I wanted to do things my way. So, what did you tell John? I wanted to say no, uh, but I I couldn't. 
because uh, I I remembered Lens Avenue and I just didn't want to. Okay, how how can I get around this? Was my thought. My lawyer brain kicked in, and I knew that India and the United States, you had to get a visa. You couldn't just get on a plane and go. Um, and so I, I chuckled and said, okay, John, uh, when are you going? And he said, I'm leaving Monday, and it's Thursday afternoon. And so instead of saying no, I say, okay, John, if you can get the visa, I'll go. Not thinking there was any way possible that he could get a visa to be on an airplane Monday morning. And now, I know there are VIP services, but I don't know of a VIP service that could even do what you just challenged him to do. <laughs> um, well, the reason I say he tricked me is he had a VIP service already set up. Oh, <laughs> he was one step ahead of you. Now, you're supposed to be the attorney, but he had a better attorney working for him. <laughs> he he had it figured out. He, it's almost like he anticipated what I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had it figured out, and and as soon as I said, "Okay, if you can give me the visa, I'll go." Uh, he, I mean, it was like deal done. Okay, and uh, where's your passport? And he sent somebody to my home to pick up the passport, and he did one of these counter to counter services um, with a. Airplane. I don't know if you can do that today, but in 1994 you could. And the passport service picked it up at the airport. Next morning, Friday morning, 8 a.m., they were first in line at the Indian Embassy. Uh, and two hours later at 10 a.m., I get a call from John, I got your visa. So did you go back on your word? <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm <laughs> You, my word. So you're on a jet going to, I assume that it was kind of hard for a busy attorney to even break away like that without notice. Oh, I had a lot of explaining to do Friday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> okay. You get there and, the, okay, that was trick number one. Trick number two by John Jimenez, he tells you to get ready to preach to 15,000 Hindus. <laughs> How'd you react? Uh, that was my first sermon. You know, on the trip, I, you know, I'm... Wait, was that your first sermon ever? That was my first sermon ever. Okay. Um, you know, on the trip, I figure, I start figuring what's the angle, what, uh, you know, what, why am I here? Um, and it's, it's one of those things where... You know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And yeah, but, but but how do you, you've never preached before, you're nominal, and that may be uh, stretching where you are in your walk with the Lord, and he's asking you to stand in front of 15,000 Hindus, not Christians. <laughs> how did you do it? Well, it got me to pray. <laughs> um, okay, I'm... I'm Let's, I, if, if I'm going to do this, and, and John wants me to do it, um, and he says he's hearing from the Lord, um, then, okay, uh, I need to hear from the Lord, and I need to hear what the message is. Um, so I, I got up. I, I frankly don't remember what I said, um, other than I repeated some things that uh, I learned from my father growing up. And the thing that got me and and let me know that God was at work 
that this wasn't anything from the heart of man. This, there was no artifice here. There was no angle here. The thing that got me is that I I didn't know how to do an altar call, and people came forward for an altar call with no altar call. Uh, and a, a Brahmin couple came up to me and said to me, your words pierced our hearts like arrows. We cannot help but believe in this Jesus. And at the time, I didn't know Brahmins never get converted. That um, here, here's a, here are, is a Brahmin couple coming forward in front of 15,000 other Hindus to let the world know they wanted to be Christian. They lost their family. They lost their position. They lost their fortune. They were mm-hmm. they were literally, literally losing everything in order to become Christian. And that's when it really dawned on me, God's doing something here. This is not me. This isn't what I just preached. This isn't, this isn't anything but the power of God on display. So it's uh, 3 a.m. in the morning. It's a special holy day where you're at called the Night of Shiva. And the belief of these Hindus is that demons sleep. Uh, from midnight to 6 a.m. So they have a big party. But at 3 a.m., you feel like God wants you to go out and walk, and uh, you decide after that experience, I've got to get right with God. What did you say? Well, I, I'm, I, I thought I had jet lag. I, I didn't realize really what time it was. Um, and it's kind of strange that after I'm preaching to Hindus and Hindus are getting converted, uh, I decide I need to get converted and I need to ask God for forgiveness for all my years of selfishness and pursuing my own goals, my own career, and not pursuing Him. And I, I did that and then felt led to claim the land. So I start walking the streets of Rajamundri, which is um, it's an interesting city. It, it translates the city of the king. And hmm. I, I start claiming the land. I say, I claim this land and its people for Jesus. And it's like I'm Joshua, uh, walking the land and claiming it. Well, God tricked Gordon Robertson. Uh, he uh, went to India he had a word from John Jimenez, the uh, pastor of Rock Church, who's now in heaven. Uh, he tricked him. He, he got him to go to India. Uh, and he wakes up at 3 a.m. And he realizes that God has woken him up. And he goes for a walk and he gets right with God. He was pretty far away from God at the time. But he gets right with God. And that same night, as he's walking throughout the streets in uh, India, and he goes to a temple, and he sees Hindus uh, just worshiping uh, gods of stone and cows and uh, things like that, and the same night, he has an open vision in which Jesus appears. Tell me about that, Gordon. Well, I'm in this uh, Hindu temple. It's a river god, a river temple, so it's an open air and the night of Shiva, they're coming to give sacrifices in the river. Uh, and for them, it was 
um, lighted candles with uh, bananas and fragrant leaves, and um, they were launching them out into the river, and the river was covered in them, uh, the the Godavari River, and just this sea, if you will, of uh, these lighted candles being offered and sacrificed to Shiva, um, and just a, an amazing sight. And then the the incense and the drums and you know everything that goes along with Shiva worship. And I felt the the, the Lord's presence. I saw a woman who you know, was in her sixties or seventies, and she was bowing down to a stone cow, and she was offering incense and fragrant leaves to a stone cow. And she put that underneath the stone cow's nostrils so that the stone cow could smell the incense. And something just welled up inside me. It was um, sort of a series of three revelations. One, anger. You know, how, could, how, could you, how could you do this? You're, you're made in the image of God. How could you bow down to a stone cow? And and. She was very earnest. She wasn't going through a ritual. She fully expected a stone cow to be able to answer her prayer, and she was it was with tears and and crying out, asking asking a stone cow. Um, so the first, my first reaction was anger. Second one was, you pray to your stone cow. I'll pray to the living God, and we'll see who answers. And then the third reaction, I heard a voice behind me, uh, very clear, saying, no one has ever told her. And it just cut through my heart that here she was living on earth. She'd never heard the good news. Uh, She'd never heard that she don't worship idols. Idols aren't the way to God. She'd never heard that. And... um, it was it was one of these come away with me moments, and I just felt that I needed to remove myself from this scene of Hindu worship. And I walked up to a rocky outcrop that overlooked it all and looked behind me, and I had an open vision. Uh, I, I wasn't asleep. I wasn't. I was fully awake, and I saw white tongues of fire that moved through everything. And those white tongues of fire coalesced into a single point of light that I knew in my spirit was Jesus. And that same voice that spoke to me spoke to me again from from the light and said, I want this to stop. And I was seeing the whole sacrifice. I was seeing all the idol worship. And he said, I want this to stop. And then I got a baptism of love. And it was was overwhelming. And I, I felt his love towards the people who were in the middle of idolatry and and. He he loved them unconditionally, um, and I could see through them. If that makes any sense, I I could see that 
their blood was my blood, that their bone was my bone, that all the things that I thought made us different, uh, differences of religion, skin color, hair color, language, all of those things didn't matter, that we were of one blood and that they were really my brothers and sisters. And no one had ever told them. And then I, it was like I was transported to, I was still there, but I was not there. Um, and I saw Jesus. Uh, I saw him as a as a blinding light on the legs of a man standing. Um, and it was like I could see back in time. Um, the uh, it's like flipping pages in a book where I saw all the sacrifices that had happened at that same temple God going back for hundreds if not thousands of years and then reaching back even further in time uh, I saw Jesus it, it was both him on the cross and him right there with me and that voice spoke to me again and said, Gordon, call me by name, Gordon, if you were the only one to believe, it still, it still gets me to this day, 20 years later, Gordon, if you were the only one to believe, I still would have come for you. And then the vision ended. And um, I... <laughs> I don't even remember walking back to where I was staying, but uh, I found myself there at dawn and uh, spent the next three days in prayer trying to figure out what had just happened to me. Gordon, what effect did this baptism of love have on you? It changed my life. And I'm... I'm I constantly go back to it. Um, it. It became the reference point for all that I do to realize. I mean, you can, you can hear it in John three sixteen, but until you feel it, it's um, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and and to realize that even if there were just one who would believe, He still would have done it. Yeah, you know, Gordon, uh, it had the effect of giving you such a burden that you didn't have before for the lost, and in especially in India. So you write your wife a letter and you tell her uh, that uh, you're going to start a mission. Uh, and uh, what'd she think of that? I, th I think at the time she thought I'd lost my mind. I, you know, I talked to her now about it. What, what really happened then? She says, "Well, I." I thought it was okay. I sort of she sort of put it away. Well, that that was a little better than the way your mother reacted when your father sold everything in the apartment and didn't even tell her because of his strong burden for ministry. So history repeated a little bit, but you weren't as bad as your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did end up selling everything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we put some things into a storage unit, um, but the cars got sold, the house we were renting, and so we got out of the rental agreement. And within three months, um, I'd, I'd moved 
to the Philippines. You also had a dream that really gave you the impetus, uh, and uh, it took you to heaven. Tell me a little bit about the dream. Well, I was wavering. I, I came back from India, shaking. I, you know, extended that trip. It was supposed to be a week. It ended up being almost a month, and um, you know, came back, and and I'm still a lawyer. I'm still a partner, and now what do I do? And um, I had a dream, and in the dream, I'm in heaven. I'm back with Jesus, and it's wonderful. That love is there. Uh, it's just, it's truly amazing. But I hear a noise behind me, and I look, and I see a long line of Asian faces, uh, more than I could number. It was in the millions. And I'm in heaven, and there's a gulf, very black gulf between me and them, and they come to this outcrop, and it's a single file, and each one comes, and when they reached the top, they pointed at me and said, "If wow, it's still again, it gets me twenty years later. If if you had come, I would have believed." Each one saying that again and again. If you had come, I would have believed. Uh, you know, Gordon, I can relate to that. I can also relate to uh, the movie Schindler's List, where he said, if I could have only had a few more dollars, I could have saved more Jewish people with our Project 77. I, I have to tell you, most Christians are not sharing the gospel with Jewish people. And for the first time in my lifetime as a believer, some 40 years, Jewish people are open to the gospel. God, in a dream, spoke to me and said more Jewish people would come to know him through my book, They Thought for Themselves, of 10 Jewish Testimonies, than anything I'd ever done. And it's true, we're getting so many reports of Jewish people, amazing testimonies, coming to the Lord. We're mailing it to Jewish people throughout North America for $77. I want you to call our number right now, and, uh, and for $77, we'll mail seven of these books to seven unsaved Jewish people. We'll give you their name so you can pray them into the kingdom. They won't know you're the one sending it. We're sending it to them. Uh, and I can tell you, time is of the essence. Anti-Semitism is, is just raising its ugly head. We have a short window. So send $77 and watch what God's going to do. When you get to heaven, you're going to be greeted by Jewish people that said, because you did this, I know Jesus. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. I have Gordon Robertson on the telephone, and many of you know Gordon from 700 Club and his father, Pat Robertson, but what you don't know is Gordon was pretty close to being like the prodigal son. He wanted, he didn't want ministry, even though from a young age he had prophecies. He was supposed to be in ministry at the 700 Club. Uh, and uh, so he finds himself in India. Uh, he literally got tricked to go there. Uh, and uh, he has he has uh, what he calls a baptism of love he he has such a burden for the unsaved um and he he 
He comes back because he's a successful attorney, kind of doubts his call after all. He spent 10 years uh, working in law, and he's just achieving, and his family's used to the standards. And he saw what his mother and father went through when they went into ministry, and he doesn't want to do this. So he has a dream that is life-changing. Tell me that dream again, Gordon. Well, I'm I'm in heaven with Jesus, and it's wonderful, and I'm He loves me, and it's great, and and I hear a noise behind me, and I turn to look, and there's this dark chasm between me and a line of people. I can't count the number; it just seems to stretch on and on and on. And they're I'm in heaven, and they're obviously not, and they're in a place of darkness and they're come single file to a a point and at that point they all look up one by one they look at me and each one says if you had come i would have believed and then they walk down into darkness and then the next one comes up if and points at me if you had come i would have believed and it it just cut to my core because Jesus had told me in the vision that if I was the only one to believe, he still would have come for me. And here I have a dream of not just one, but of millions who say that to me. And from that point forward, I, I couldn't practice law anymore. I couldn't I couldn't devote my my life to the things of the world. I had to devote my life to preaching the gospel and letting people know so that they could have an opportunity to know him and spend eternity with him. Now, on April 1st, April Fool's Day, as a matter of fact, where significant things happen to you, uh, you call your dad, Pat Robertson. Tell me about that conversation. Well, I I called him after the dream, and um, you know I'm uh, yeah I want I want fatherly counsel what to do, and so I I go meet with him, and uh, I I don't tell him about the dream. Um, I've told him about the vision. I I didn't tell him about the dream. I just said I think God wants me to quit my job and become a missionary. And he looked at me and said. Well, why haven't you? <laughs> and then got up and left the room. And I was expecting, you know, God doesn't work this way, or you, you need to, you know, be careful with this, and you need to get two or three witnesses, and all of that. He, he cut right to the core, then why haven't you? And so um, the next day I go into my managing partner and and say, I, I, I need to quit. I need to stop. And at first he was worried, as, was I going to go work for another law firm? And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to be a missionary, uh, which kind of took him aback. But um, in God's sort of plan, he, he planned that one too, where uh, my managing partner was the son of a um, minister and understood where I, what I was talking about. And uh, I, I just said, all I need is to be released from the partnership agreement. And he said, I think we can do that. And three months later, um, I'm on a plane to Asia uh, with my wife and 
year-old baby girl and starts an adventure that I, I'm still amazed at what at what God did. And then you had another dream. Uh, and in this dream, uh, you uh, had it. You were in the Philippines. You're in a hotel. Uh, tell me about the dream. Uh, we just finished doing a, an evangelism outreach to the prison in in Bacolod in, in the Philippines, a little tiny town. And it was just one of those amazing days. Everyone in that prison got saved that day. Hmm. Um, it was truly incredible. And that night, uh, I'm in the Leigh Fisher Hotel in Bacolod, and I have another dream. It seems to be a season for dreams and visions. I have another dream. And in that dream, boatloads of Filipinos are going out into all the world to preach the gospel. And for me, that, that, that was, okay, here's the answer to what I had experienced in India, what I experienced in that dream before I left the practice of law, that I was going to train missionaries um, to preach the gospel. And you did. You started a, uh, a mission training school in the Philippines, uh, but then you get the burden to do television uh, in Asia, and uh, you're told you can't do that. <laughs> what did you do about it? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I found out God wanted to do it, so if people are telling you you can't do that and God says you can, then then you better go do it. So uh started uh, CBN Asia uh, and then the 700 Club Asia, uh, and that became the model that was then reproduced throughout Asia. Uh, there soon followed. It took three years to uh, sort of perfect the model and, and prove that it worked. And then in the fourth year, we branched out to Indonesia, um, then to India, uh, then to Thailand, uh, and then finally Hong Kong and Beijing. And so literally within five years, um, there was a CBN Indonesia, a CBN India, a CBN Thailand, CBN China, uh, as well as the flagship, the, the mentor uh, of all of them in Manila called CBN Asia. So I would imagine you're feeling pretty good. You, uh, you, you counted the cost. You did what God wanted you to do, and it's successful. He told you what to do. You did it. It's successful. Uh, and uh, you're kind of minding your own business, so to speak. Uh, you're, you're at a speaking assignment. There's some 25,000 people there. Uh, and uh, Bill Hammond, a world-class prophet, is speaking. Uh, and uh, with 25,000 people... He singles you out. Did he know you ahead of time? No, he didn't know me from Adam. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was new to him. I knew who he was because he had predicted who was going to be the president of the Philippines. He had prophesied that uh, over uh, Ramos, President Ramos, when Ramos had just lost his own party's nomination. And that prophecy from Bill encouraged him, and he decided to go run again in the general election, he got elected. So when Bill Hammond comes to the Philippines, lots of people show up to see what Bill Hammond has to, to say and what, what, what he's going to preach. 
Anyway, he gave his message. I, I had just gotten off a plane from the Muslim area of the Philippines, Mindanao, um, and I was frankly fresh from the mission field. I wasn't dressed to be really in public. I was um, very much in need of a shower and a change of clothes. And But I didn't want to miss Bill, so I, I decided I'd come and sort of hide in the back. And it was a good crowd, so I didn't I didn't didn't need to worry about that. But he he pointed at me and said, "And and and are you sure he didn't know who you were? He didn't know who I was." Okay, I'll tell you what. We're out of time. We'll pick up right here on tomorrow's broadcast. Uh, but Mishpocha, you can't help but listen to Gordon Robertson and develop a passion for the unsaved. And there is a principle of going to the Jew first. I had a dream many years ago, and God told me to write a book of 10 Jewish testimonies. It's called They Thought for Themselves, and he promised many Jewish people would come to the Lord through it. I did it, just like Gordon did what God told him. I did it. And today... Over two and a half million have been distributed throughout the former Soviet Union, North America, and, and the way God gave us a strategy, if you will send in $77, we will mail seven books to seven unsaved Jewish families. They won't have your name, but the, they will get the book, and then you'll get their name to pray for their salvation. Jewish people don't have anyone praying. They don't have mothers and fathers praying for their salvation. And if you believe you're the same as Abraham's seed and you've been grafted in, then you also have been grafted into the responsibility. This is the set time to favor Zion. And so few Christians are sharing with anyone. And then very, very few, even those with, uh, with a Jewish burden, are not sharing with Jewish people. And how can they call on him if not, they've not heard? And the one thing we know in Judaism is Jews don't believe in Jesus. But when Jewish people read this book, it's anointed by God for them to become believers. We have the most amazing testimonies. I had uh, lunch today, as a matter of fact, with a rabbinic student that read the book, and he said, just to read the book and see Jewish people from all walks of life believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And I was able to put the whole thing together. Today, he's preaching the gospel because you sent him. If you'll call our 800 number, we have a special bonus for you uh, because Gordon Robertson is uh, putting out this super book cartoon in languages throughout the world. It's even in Russian. And this is a new version. It's the cutting edge technology. Uh, you've heard of 3D where you put the glasses on. Well, this is three-dimensional, and kids are coming to the Lord through this. Uh, we are going to take his Russian version and put it on our Russian languages supernatural network, and I want to send that as a bonus to you. Uh, your children are going to be so blessed, especially the episode we've selected. Everyone that joins Project 77, call our 800 number today. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697.
Now, my guest, Gordon Robertson, is so excited about the ministry God opened up for him in Asia. Uh, He started the first 700 club uh, throughout Asia. Uh, Their ratings uh, have have tripled. Uh, He even gets his dad's attention. Uh, But did you have any desire to come back to America, Gordon? No, I I thought... um... You know, my life's calling was was to be in Asia, and um, you know that was that was the promise, and uh, that was the vision. And uh, okay, so you're sitting one out of twenty five thousand people. Bill Hammond is speaking. He didn't know who you were. Uh, you were dressed, even and not in a way you would be singled out in any way. But he does single you out. He prophesies. What was the prophecy? Um, your face and your words will go around the world through television. And uh, what effect did that prophecy have on you? <laughs> I tend to resist these things. So I, it was, it was, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be on TV. That was, that was part of. I guess my rebellion. So when you started the, all, all the CBN at 700 Club India things, that what you were not on TV. You were just the business side of it. Uh, I was the producer. Um, you know, some of the 700 Club Asia's because the Philippines understands English. Um, I was in those, but I was trying to transition to a full Tagalog program. Um, you know, part of my realization was that it, the gospel needs to, to, for India, it needs to look Indian. For Indonesia, it needed to look Indonesian. You you have to make it culturally relevant. It can't be a foreign religion. It has to be, what what does Jesus do for people today where I live? Uh, can Jesus walk with me on the Indian road? Can he walk to me on the Thai road? And and is it is it for me? And the more you can break that down to speaking to them in their heart language of miracles that are happening today, uh, the better results you get. Okay, you have this prophecy, uh, but you don't know what to do with it because you feel very satisfied. People are hungry in Asia for the gospel. Your experience is they're pretty dead in America, not that open for the gospel. That's the last thing you want to do. And then in 1999, a prophet comes to you and gives you a strong word. What is it? That I needed to move back to the United States to help my father. His name was DGS Dinakar, and he's known as the Billy Graham of India. And um, I, I learned to preach in India working with him in his Institute of Power Ministry. And I, I knew him very well and his son Paul and their whole family and, and thought very highly of them. And, and again, <laughs> I get this prophecy. I go, no, I, I don't want to do that. And then uh, he, he gives the word to both me and to my father and then, uh, Alice Smith comes and is a guest on the 700 Club a week later and has the, the identical word, um, you know, Gordon needs to come back to, to help you here. Um, so I did. It was um, it was a quick change. I needed to transition leadership and 
all these uh, startups in in Asia, and you know, I frankly wanted more time to do that, but um, in, a, in a way, quicker transitions work better. So uh, it, it, and God has un, unusual ways of taking care of things, and He took care of it all, and it's actually thriving. Uh, all those ministries are now thriving in Asia. Uh, without direct oversight, uh, with me being here in, in the United States. And, and that same year, again, because that pattern I see, on April 1st, April Fool's Day, uh, 1990, that was 1999, uh, you were hosting your first show of 700 Club. Um, out of curiosity, I've seen you move powerfully in miracles. Um was this something that when you were a young child, you got this gift of words of knowledge, or when did that kick in? I've I've had gifting, uh, spiritual gifting, since I was a child. Um, the really having the faith to believe for miracles, for words of knowledge came gradually because we're we're so used to what our eyes tell us what our ears tell us um you know what what the symptoms tell us that to see past that into what god tells us uh you know to 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 stand on the word as a uh, you know what you're saying everyone preaches and everyone hears but i think few people really hear what you've just said I think you have to reach past that, and, and you're probably a fairly intellectual person being an attorney, uh, uh, that it's so simple, and yet, until you take that leap of understanding what you're saying, you don't see anything. Right. If, 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 if you start to doubt and waver... Um, you know the what the Bible says in James is true. You're going to get tossed. Um, you're you're not going to break through to that miracle. Um, and there's just something to when you know that you know that you know, um, and you're and you're not basing it on a tingle. You're basing it on the solid rock. Then then miracles are natural. They're not. It's a natural result of that. My guest. Gordon Robertson is red hot for the Messiah. We're just getting to know him as a person. I mean, he's just a person like you and like me. But God gave him a vision and a passion for souls. Uh, and now he's host of the 700 Club. Uh, but it wasn't always that way. He was in India. Uh, and God had told him to raise up Filipino missionaries and take them to India. And he was at a meeting, but he wasn't out there speaking and praying for the sick. Uh, and God whispers in his ear, heal the sick. How did you react, Gordon? Um, well, my reaction wasn't very good. I was like, no, I don't want to. Um, you know, I, it, it was, you know, I didn't want to be known as a faith healer, if, if that makes any sense. But I, I understand you saw the good and bad and the ugly throughout your lifetime. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a small church, um, with a group of 
um, nine Filipino missionaries, and, and it's a, a mentoring sort of trip where I I preach one service and then they preach the other services, and um, and we're just um, it's sort of a trial basis, but it's a thirty day uh, adventure, and so we we had seen all kinds of things um, and just wonderful outpourings of the Holy Spirit, but we hadn't moved into miracle healing. Uh, And I think a lot of that was I didn't want to. So anyway, I'm getting ready to speak in front of a small church, 75 people, and that still small voice whispers to me, I want to heal the sick today. And my gut reaction was, no, you don't. you know, you got to find somebody else. And then I realized that that's not a good thing to do with the king of the universe. You got to, you got to say, okay, if you want to heal the sick today, I'll, I'll do that. So I spent the next 30 minutes, not preaching to them, but preaching to me and preaching, um, everything I knew about faith. And so broke open the Hebrews and faith is substance and faith is evidence. And, you know, then, then, um, ended that message and said, is there anyone here sick? Uh, God spoke to me that he wanted to heal the sick today. And when you announce that in an Indian village, you, you, you're more than likely going to see a lot of hands raised. And um, to my amazement, there was only one hand that went up. And I, th- I think this is great. God's going to take me the easy route. <laughs> Because there's a, there was a woman, and she raised her hand, and she stood up. And so I immediately start thinking, okay, she could hear me. She's looking at me so she can see. She can stand up so she can walk. Uh, and so I'm going, okay, he's, he's, he's giving me an easy one. And then she bent over to, to pick up a 12-year-old boy who had had polio as a child, and he had never walked. And his legs were all shriveled. It's kind of like when you step on a spider and the the legs all turn in. And uh, the legs on this young boy were, were turned in. And she had a little girl with her as well. And she has to carry her 12-year-old boy up up to the front. And I'm, I'm in it now. I, 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 I literally don't know what to do. And... So I, I do what I, I think is good, and I'm, I break out James chapter 5, and let's call for the elders, and let's anoint with oil, and let's pray. And so we had elders in the church, and so the elders came forward, and they had anointing oil, and so we got oil, and we anointed that little boy with oil, and we prayed over him, and we started uh, interceding for him, and nothing happened. And I get a little angry with God, and I take a step back, and I literally I pray, Lord, I'm doing all I know. And He answers me and says, it's almost a voice of anguish. When will you rely on me? Um. And something deep within my spirit welled up, well, how about now? Can can I rely on you now? 
And it came as a flash. It was like this insight. Jesus never prayed for the sick. He commanded it. And that seemed like the best idea <laughs> that I ever had. I was like, yay, that's, a, that's the way to do it. And so I took another step back, and I pointed at the boy, and I said to him in English, get up and walk. I, I can't explain it. His, his eyes like, locked onto mine, and something happened uh, where I, I just preached that faith is uh, evidence and faith is substance. There was a substance that happened in that moment. And he believed, and he got up and took a step. And it was kind of like a young horse when they're first born, those haltering steps where they're just trying to get their feet and their balance. And he's taken just a couple of steps. And so I go over to another side of the the altar and say, you know, walk over here. And with each step, his legs, it's like you could see him grow. Each one got each one was stronger, each one had more balance. And and it was it was incredible. He walked. A boy who was twelve who had never walked because he had polio walked. And then I found out his sister had never spoken. She was eight years old. She could hear, but she had never spoken in her life. And I got a little bold on this one, and I just said one word to her, speak. And her first word was hallelujah. Hmm. second word was hosanna. And then she realized she was speaking, and she got afraid. And she said in Telugu, ama ama, which is mommy, mommy. And she ran to her mother's arms. That place, that tiny little church erupted. It was... um, Absolutely amazing. We had been preaching for a couple of weeks on this tour and had seen amazing things, but had never seen people demand to be water baptized. Because if you're water baptized in India, you've turned your back on the community and you become outside of the caste system. You're now you're now a Christian. You're outside of caste. And baptism, water baptism, is the signal to the rest of the community that that you've done this. Uh, Within that church of 75, there were 18 that said, we we need to be baptized now. We don't want to wait. We we have to be baptized now. This God that you preach is real. This is the living God. And so we had a great baptismal service and... um, I I have since learned that when Jesus speaks, he speaks for all eternity. And when he said, I want to heal the sick today, he means every day. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to heal the sick. Does he want to heal the sick right now? Right now. Pray for them. Lord, we lift those who are listening right now. And we ask for that substance of faith to come to them. Your word says that you have given each one of us a measure of faith. And so we put our faith in you. We rely on you, for you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
we change, we doubt, but you don't change, and you don't doubt ever. So, Lord, we lift the sick to you now, and we ask for your healing power to flow through them, that the substance of you would come to them. The Word would be made flesh in their bodies now. And we command sickness and disease and pain and infirmity to leave them now in the name of Jesus. There's someone listening right now. You have um, arthritic conditions in both of your shoulders. Um, And I'm getting this word bursitis. God is healing you of that and giving you back movement in both of your shoulders, what you couldn't do before. Do it now in Jesus' name. And there's someone, uh, your name is Ivana, and you're just heartbroken. There's been so much loss in your life. God wants to come to you and and be, be your comforter and be your help right now. Just open your heart to him and let him come in, and he can heal that heart wound. He wants to heal the brokenhearted, and that's you. So he's talking specifically to you. He's he's called you by name, and he wants to give you righteousness, peace, and joy in him. So just receive it now in Jesus' name. You know, Gordon, there's such a flow of God's healing spirit. It's almost like a river at this moment. And I I heard that there's someone with a problem with your knee. If you will test it right now, you'll see that the Lord is good. The pain is gone. It's restored. And someone with problems in their fingers or carpal tunnel, you are healed. In, in wrists, you are healed. In backs, whoa. I mean, it, it's a river of healing. Uh, this week... We're making the high privilege of reaching Jewish people with the gospel available to you. Project 77. Everyone that sends in $77, we will mail seven books that God himself told me to write called They Thought for Themselves to seven Jewish people in the United States or Canada and I believe that many are going to come to know, Lord, they won't have your name, but they will have the name of Yeshua, and you'll have their names to pray them into the kingdom. Call a right today to be part of Project 77 and watch the bonus we're going to give you. <laughs> Your Place a credit card order for today's offer. Call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. 
or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.